What's going on, Redemption? My name is Corey Ball, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Community Church. And uh, as you know, we have been meeting digitally since the beginning of March. And so we've we've had a long run of digital meetings, but that stops October 4th. Yes, that's right. That is our reopen date, October 4th. We're so excited. Let's go. Come on. Yes. Uh, we're so excited. Hey, listen, but, but here's the deal. We're, we're actually going to have a quick change of of place uh of, of our meeting place just for a season okay so um from october 4th up until christmas we are actually going to be meeting at a church here in st louis called destiny church and they are at they are at the intersection of 270 and manchester they're on an outer road um we're so excited that we're meeting at destiny and, and i just want to publicly say this Thank you so much to Jim Stern and to the other leadership uh, people at Destiny for allowing us to, to, to have this space on Sunday evenings. Um, it's an incredible just act of generosity and kindness. And, uh, and, and so thank you so much for that. We are really blessed by your generosity. Um, and so we're going to be meeting there on Sunday, Sunday afternoons from 5 to 6 p.m. Um, starting October 4th. Listen, if you have any questions about uh, how we are going to reopen, um, uh, how are we going to uh, require masks and, and where should masks be worn and, and um, you know, social distancing questions and, and cleaning questions and all these different things surrounding COVID-19. If you have questions about these things, I invite you to go to this link. It's redemptionstl.com slash reopening. And uh, there's a frequently asked questions page there. I mean, all those FAQs will be will be answered on that page. But we really invite you to go to that page and to get all your questions answered. If your question is not on that page, but you would like an answer to it, you can always email us at hello at redemptionstl.com. We would love to answer any questions that you have. But we really want to see you October 4th. And here's the truth. So many of you... Um, you've been attending Redemption digitally and you've picked up somewhere between March and September and we haven't met you yet, right? But I know this to be true because I have talked to a few of you. Many of you would actually say, hey, Redemption is my home church, like already. And I can't wait until Redemption is meeting again in person so I, so I get to go meet some of the people, right? Well, this is your opportunity, okay? So, so, so don't, don't, don't wait. Come on in. If you feel safe, right? If, if, if you're ready, uh, come in. Let's meet you. I would love to meet you. So we want to invite you out October 4th. Don't miss it. Hello, hello. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church. Welcome for the first time or welcome back to Redemption's podcast. I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and to like us on Facebook to stay current on all things redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. When I was a kid, there was this shared custody thing with me. Uh, there was a shared custody between two different places uh, with me. 
or so I thought. See, here's the deal. My parents were never divorced, um, so there wasn't actually shared custody between my mom and my dad, nothing like that. But, but there was shared custody uh, between my home and another place that I spent uh, pretty much just as much time at. Um, and, and, and no, it, it wasn't school. And nope, it, it was not grandma's house. Um, it was the church. Today, we are going to be talking about the theology of the church. In this standalone one-week series, I want to be answering these questions specifically. Uh, what is the church? Why is it so important? And why is it potentially the most powerful thing on this earth? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But growing up, like I said, I spent so much time at the church. I, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say I spent a lot of time. Let me kind of give you the week schedule of the church that I grew up in. Um, we started off in the, in the morning. We would go to something called Sunday school. That's something that people used to do in the 80s and the 90s. Um, some churches still do it today, but uh, it's definitely lost its popularity. That would start early in the morning. I think 8.30 or 9 o'clock, we would have to be there for that. That would go an hour or so. And then uh, we would have Sunday service. And so we'd have an actual church service. Well, that went an hour and a half at our church. Sometimes I felt like it went an hour and a half or two hours. Um, it was a good, good length. Our services here are 60 minutes. Church I grew up in, I mean, we could have done two redemption services in that time. And um, in the time that it took them to do one. And so then we would go home, okay? Uh, we, would, we would go eat lunch. Uh, we'd go out to, to eat, whatever we would do. But then we would come back at 5 p.m. for an evening service. And it really wasn't that much different than a Sunday morning service. It was a different sermon, a different message. It was a couple different songs and you know, instead of the ones that we did in the morning. But ultimately, it was the same. Um, and it wasn't even really that much dressed down, you know. I, I guess the, the lead pastor, he just thought that we were so sinful, we needed three services in one day. And so we went to church three times on a Sunday. It was kind of crazy. And then on Wednesdays in the, in, in the evening, <clears throat> we would go back to church. Um, and there was a midweek service. And so it was kind of the same thing. There was a, there was a sermon, a message, right? Uh, there, there were some worship songs that we sang. And so, um, you know, I wasn't allowed to do things on Wednesday nights because I had church. And, and then often uh, there would be a Tuesday night or a Thursday night a Bible study or a prayer meeting that we would have to go to. And so what I'm saying to you is I would be at the church at a minimum of four times a week, often five times a week. And sometimes, you know, we would have uh, little gatherings or, or we'd have to paint a room or we would have to do a bake sale or something, right? And so we would go again, okay? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like when I say I was at church a lot, I was at church a lot. And my parents, they would always say this. They would say, hey, we're going to church, right? We're going to church. It typically sounded something like this. Corey, put your toys away. We're going to church. Corey, uh, finish your breakfast. We're going to church. Uh, Corey, quit hitting your brother. We're going to church, right? And so I had this misunderstanding when I was a child of what the church was, mainly because we would always say we are going to church. And, and here's the bottom line for today. Uh, I've learned since I was a child that this is the truth. That, that the church is not a building you drive to, but it's a movement of Christ followers that you choose to be a part of. 
It's not a building that you drive to. It's a movement of Christ followers that you choose to be a part of. And we get this wrong today in our culture, big time. We still get it wrong, right? Um, and, and part of it is just, just nomenclature, it's just vocabulary and wording, um, but it's also very important. And I know we still get it wrong in our culture today uh, because when COVID-19 hit, those who didn't understand what the church is got really up in arms about the government shutting down the churches, okay? I feel like Chris Farley right now, shutting down the churches. Uh, by the way, he was definitely a... Uh, comic influence of mine uh, when I was growing up. But but uh, yeah, I mean, like we, we get in this mindset like, okay, the churches are getting shut down. Nah, no, they, they can't because here's the reality, right? You, you can shut down a building. You can't shut down a movement. And remember, uh, the church is not a building that you drive to, but it's a movement of Christ followers that you choose to be a part of. And I guarantee you this, the American government can never shut down a movement of God. Never. They're not that powerful. COVID-19 can't do that. The government cannot do that. Okay. So today we're going to be looking at this, uh, this letter, this book um, that is written by one of Jesus' closest followers. Um, his name is Matthew. And, and he wrote this book uh, specifically detailing the things that he saw, uh, the accounts of, of 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 what he saw as he followed Jesus, and um, and so we're gonna be we're gonna be looking at it uh, through this through this lens. Um, but as we do, remember the church is not a building you, you you drive to, but it's a movement of 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 Christ followers that you choose to be a part of, and this is a very important thing um, because again, you can't you can't lock down a movement, right? Like that never works. Um, so as we're getting ready uh, to see um, that you can't shut down a church, something that's even as powerful as, powerful as COVID can't do that. But, but why does our theology about the church, why does that matter? It matters because of this, uh, because the church as a movement, if it is snuffed out, then the mission of God fails. If, if the movement of Christ followers, the church, if it, if it stopped, if it shut down, then the actual mission of Jesus ceases to exist. His plan to redeem the world is stopped. That's why it is so important. The church is God's chosen method to, to uh, fulfill the mission of Jesus. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he brought his 11 remaining disciples to this mountain and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. He had just resurrected from the dead. Yes. Uh, as Christians, we believe that. Um, is it crazy? Yeah, kind of, right? Um, but with God, legitimately all things are possible and in Christianity, we believe this, that Jesus was a man. He was crucified on a cross and then he, he resurrected. He didn't stay dead. Why didn't he stay dead? Because not only was he a man, but he was also God, right? And so this God man, um, he didn't stay dead. He resurrected. He tells his disciples to go to this mountain, these 11 disciples, and it's there that he gives them these words. In Matthew 28, we're going to read verses 18 through 20. 
I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, this is the beginning of the movement to tell everyone about the resurrected Jesus. This is the, the beginning of the movement that was entrusted to the followers of Jesus, the church. Um, Ed Stetzer, he's a current leader in the church in America. He, he says this. These words are incredible. Listen to this quote. The church is sent on mission by Jesus. It's not that the church has a mission, but rather that the mission has a church we join Jesus on his mission. See, if the church, the collection of Christ's followers, if we cease to exist, if, if we're snuffed out, then, then God's redemptive plan goes unfulfilled, right? And so it's that important. Uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew again. We're going to go back to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, now, previously we read from Matthew 28. That's the very end of, of the book. But we're going to go backward to Matthew 16. See, Matthew 28, Jesus is resurrected. He's getting ready to ascend. He only has 11 disciples at that point. Matthew 16, crazy. He has 12 disciples. Okay, He kind of lost one from Matthew 16 to Matthew 28. You can read about that. It's awkward. Um, and, uh, and so then Matthew 16, he has 12 disciples. Um, he hasn't been crucified. He hasn't been resurrected. He's not getting ready to ascend, but he's standing there with his disciples, his 12 disciples. And he asks this question. He says to them, uh, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some people say that you're Elijah, which was an old prophet who had died a long time ago. Well, you know, maybe he's resurrected. Okay. Uh, some people say you're Elijah. And, uh, and some people say that you're another prophet, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus cuts through all that. He goes, okay, okay, okay. Who do you say that I am? And they say, you know, they're all kind of quiet. But this, this one guy, Simon, uh, son of John, he speaks up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, he kind of brightens up and he says, it's, it's not man that has, has revealed this to you, but it's been the spirit of God, like God himself revealed this to you. And this is where Jesus renames this man, Simon, son of John. He gives him a new name, right? And, and this is where we pick up. And we're going to start reading in verse 18. We're actually just going to read verse 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. See, Jesus is painfully clear here on two things. The first thing is this, that he will build his church. He will build his church. Now this eliminates this idea that the church is a building because Jesus did not build every church in the world, right? Uh, but Jesus promises that he will build his church. The, the assembly of Christ's followers, right? This, this, this movement of Christ's followers, like he will build them, okay? The second thing he promises is that all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Like COVID can't stop it. The 2020 election, contrary to many people's beliefs, can't stop it. The other political party, whatever your political party is, the other one, uh, the other political party can't stop the church, contrary to many people's beliefs, um, you know, all the catastrophic events of 2020 can't stop the church. 
the Chinese government, they tried to stop the, the church over in China. It didn't go too well from them, for them. In fact, they created the fastest growing underground church that potentially the world has ever seen. In their attempts to stop the church, they set it on fire in the best possible way. It was growing like bananas. It was crazy, right? See, here's the thing. The church will never be stopped. Nothing can stop it. Recently, I worked at, at a church here in St. Louis called The Journey. And I was speaking to a man there at the time. He was a campus pastor. I was speaking to him, this guy, Curtis Gilbert. And I, and I was lamenting over this slow growth area of my ministry. And I was really upset. And I was kind of hard on myself. And Curtis said this. He said, you, you have to stop. He said, ultimately, what you're doing right now is, is you're equating yourself with Jesus because you're buying into the lie that, that you are the one that builds the church. But you need to hear this. Only Jesus builds the church, church and Satan can't tear down the church. There's nothing you can do to build it up. and There's nothing you can do to tear it down. Jesus will build it and Satan can't tear it down. Rest in that. Whew, man, that was so fulfilling and powerful for me to hear. And that's the truth. Jesus will build his church and all the powers of hell will never conquer it. Nothing can stop the church. Have you ever heard of Puera, Montana? Yeah, Puera, Montana. It's better known as the Japanese era root or most commonly known as kudzu. Uh, it's also nicknamed as the vine that ate the South. Listen to this. If you, if you don't know about it, here's a quick history. Kudzu was introduced from Japan into the United States at the Japanese Pavilion in the 1876 Centennial Exposition in Philadelphia. The very same exposition had entries like the Alexander Graham Bell Telephone and Heinz Ketchup. In the 1930s and 1940s, the vine was rebranded as a way for farmers to stop soil erosion. Workers were paid $8 per square acre to sow topsoil with the invasive vine. The cultivation covered over 1 million acres of kudzu, and it took over. It wasn't until 1972 that kudzu was finally labeled what it is appropriately labeled today, a weed. The vine, or weed, grows up to a foot a day in optimal conditions. Estimates of its rate of spreading differ widely. It has been described as spreading at the rate of 150,000 acres annually. And finally, it is accountable for costing the U.S. Forestry Service roughly $300 million a year to attempt to control it. Listen, it has basically taken over the South. It can't be stopped. Um, when we first labeled it a weed, as Americans, we decided to use machinery and it was not working well at all. Uh, then we moved into chemicals. We were going to burn it out with chemicals. And that was really problematic because we were killing, we were either uh, killing all of our plants or we couldn't develop uh, a, a chemical that was strong enough. And when we did, it ended up killing out you know, all the other vegetation. So then finally, we decided to use goats. Really interesting. Uh, it worked for a while, and in some ways it does still work. It's kind of the best way to, to control it. But here's the problem. The problem is, um, for many years, we deployed all these goats, and uh, these goats started eating the kudzu. Well, you know, the U.S. Forestry Service, it, it can't pay for fencing, right? It, it's not, it doesn't have all the money in the world. And so they would buy these goats, they'd put them on a mountainside, the goats would start eating, 
And then the goats would wander off to another mountain to find, you know, new things. Uh, goats aren't grazers, they're roamers. And so they, they, they go to where the food, you know, food is and they like to roam. Um, and, and so they go to this, these other mountains and they carried with them uh, prepackaged, very fertile, uh, little seeds that were uniquely deposited all throughout the mountain. And those goats became the biggest planters of kudzu. Yes, that's right. And the plan totally backfired. And uh, there was kudzu all over the place then on different mountains. Um, it can't be stopped. Kudzu can't be stopped. And just like kudzu, the church simply cannot be stopped. You can, you can shut down a building, but you cannot shut down a movement of God. And, and so, you know, there are countries and, and people that try to shut down the church, but they just simply cannot. Um, here in America, we, we, we don't know persecution as Christians. We don't. You being asked to wear a mask is not persecution. It's not. What is persecution is our Chinese and Indian brothers and sisters who are being beaten and jailed and even murdered for their faith. Okay, that's persecution, right? But, but they're being persecuted, and here's the crazy thing. In those countries, we are seeing the fastest growing churches in the world. Just like kudzu, you cannot get rid of the church. It's not going anywhere. You can shut down a building, but you can never shut down a movement of God. You cannot. And so and something that cannot be stopped like the church, it, it becomes immortal, and therefore it becomes probably the most powerful thing on the entire earth because it can never be crushed. It can never be killed. It can never be stopped. Nothing can stop the church. In the Bible, the word uh, that we get church from comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And that word means the gathering, okay? That's what it means, the gathering. Um, and, and, and what I want to do right now is just take a moment and look at something uh, around the word ecclesia and, and discuss um, the church and the modern church. And, and it's even accentuated with COVID-19, but, but this idea of gathering, ecclesia. Okay, so how does the church gather? Well, the church gathers on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. underneath a, a steeple, right, um, in a white church. And what they, they sit on pews, okay, and they all have to dress a certain way and talk a certain way, and this is the gathering. It's the ecclesia, right? No, no, it's not. Uh, in fact, that's a p potential gathering, but it, it's very different. It's very uh, separated um, than than just that. Uh, it's very diverse than just that. Remember, over the last couple of weeks, I've been really clear to talk about this idea that, that we are not bodies with a spirit. We are spirits with a body, and that's very important. It's very important for us to understand this because we get so fixated on the physical. We get so fixated on our bodies. Um, we, we don't really, you know, get, we, we, we miss the most important thing that we're actually spirits encased in flesh and bone, right? We're not just flesh and bone. We're spirits encased in flesh and bone. And this is a really important thing. See, Jesus, he, he talks about this idea of gathering, um, Many years ago, he, you know, over 2,000 years ago, he's, he's sitting with this Samaritan woman and he's at this well. And, and, and he's at this well. He's, you know, the story is known as the woman at the well. And, and Jesus is with this Samaritan woman. And see, this woman, she's really fixated on this. She's fixated on this idea that, 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 that those who are in the church, the, 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 the Jewish people, 
that they, they worship at a certain place, at a certain time, in a certain way, you know. In, in Jesus, he starts to combat this idea, and he has a lot of things to say to us today in 2020. So let's listen in. We're going to go to John chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 21. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For the salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The identity that Jesus is giving the church here is bigger than a building. Do you see this? Because remember, the bottom line is this, that, that the church is not a building that you drive to, but it's a movement of Christ followers that you choose to be a part of. And here in John chapter 4, see Jesus, he's, he's talking about this time uh, that, that, that will come when, when true worshipers will not worship on this mountain or that, but they'll worship in spirit and in truth. And why is Jesus saying that the place isn't significant? Because of this, verse 24, he says, For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, right? And we, we are spirit first, body second. And so it doesn't matter where we worship. The place is insignificant. We worship in spirit, not body. And we worship a God who is spirit, right? And, and so what does it mean in 2020 and beyond? What does, it, what does it mean? It means that we can worship together apart. We can worship together apart. We can worship with each other in spirit, but in separate places. It means that we can gather digitally. It really does. Um, it doesn't mean that we have to gather in person. The church does not um, uh, you know, cease to exist if we aren't worshiping together in person. Now, together in person should always be preferable. It should always be our primary goal. But listen, when there is a pandemic, uh, when it's not possible because there is a pandemic, we shouldn't lose sleep, right? Because we are spirits with a body. We are not bodies with a spirit. And that's very important. And so um, we can continue to meet together even if we, if we can't meet together physically. As we wind down, uh, let me step back into Matthew 16 for, for a hot second here. The word that was given again to the, to the church in Matthew 16 is that word ekklesia. That's the Greek word, okay? Again, ekklesia. And, and really, it's just the gathering of Christians. It's a group of Christians. Um, a group of Christians is called an ekklesia or the church, right? Just like a, a, a pack of wolves is called a pack, right? Or a flame of eagles is called a flame, right? A group of eagles is called a flame. I bet you didn't know that, right? Okay, so um, so a pack, a flame, you know, all these different things. Um, a group of, of Christians is called the church. It's called the ecclesia. So where do we get our word church here in America, in the English language? Where do we get our word church from? We actually get our word church from the Germanic word kirka, okay? Um, we didn't take the word ecclesia, right? Instead, we, we use the word kirka. Okay, now look, um, the Greek word ecclesia um, means the gathering of people, okay? Ecclesia, the gathering, right? The Germanic word kirka means building. <laughs> okay, 
Ecclesia, the gathering of Christ followers, met inside of the Kirka. Okay, you see that? But one of them is a movement. One of them, it's a movement of Christ followers. That's the church. The other one is a stack of bricks. <laughs> see, there's a big problem uh, in this because in this season, more than ever, you should see this, that, that you can lock the doors of a kirka, right, of a church, but, but you cannot lock out the ecclesia, right? You, you can shut down the kirka, but you cannot shut out the ecclesia. See, you, you, you can shut down a building. You can stop a pile of bricks. You can demolish it. You can destroy it. But you cannot destroy a movement of Christ followers. And this is the church. Remember, the church is not a building you drive to, but it's a movement of Christ followers that you choose to be a part of. We are the ecclesia, not the kirka. And people right now across the world, the ecclesia, they often meet in homes, they meet in coffee shops, they meet in schools, they meet in bars. There are, there are ecclesias, gathering of Christ followers, that meet in, in strip clubs. Yes, uh, there really are. Uh, there, are these, there are these groups of Christ followers, they rent out strip clubs, and uh, in, in the mornings, um, they set up their church and they meet in these buildings really interesting incredible stories come out around some of these churches where uh, some of the women that work there surrender their life to Christ and uh, they stay for church after their shift and they surrender their life to Christ I mean, I mean there are incredible incredible uh, moments in, in in the ecclesia the kirka huh just a building you can shut down a kirka but you can never shut down the ecclesia you can never shut down the gathering of Christ followers. It's like the Elevation song states, God takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for our good. Amen. The kirka of man cannot contain the ecclesia of God. It is a movement that cannot be stopped. And you, if you are a Christ follower, you are a part of the ecclesia. That's who you are. You are a part of the movement that cannot be stopped. The Bible repeatedly calls the church the body of Christ. I don't know if you knew this, but, but it repeatedly calls us the body of Christ. And just like a healthy body cannot function fully and appropriately without an arm or, or without a leg, right? Like um, you know, if, 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 if the body all of a sudden is missing a leg, it's not functioning the same way that it was when it had both healthy legs and in the same way. When, when we, as the body of Christ, when, when, we, when we are missing you as a believer, when you, when you decide to distance yourself from the ecclesia, from the body of Christ, we are limping without you. We need you. We really do. That's not, it's not tongue-in-cheek. It's not a joke. We really need you. And, and I know this. I know that many of you stepped away from church years ago. And you never heard a peep. There were leaders and people in that church that never reached out to you. They never said that they missed you. Um, and I'm really sorry about that. Um, I'm really sorry that, that you never felt missed. You never felt loved. You never felt cared for. I'm really sorry for, the, for that. I, I apologize for those leaders on behalf of the church. But I promise you this. 
when you walked away, the church suffered. It really did. I believe that the church suffered when you walked away. Uh, We need you. At Redemption, we need you. At this church, we need you. Here at at Redemption, we, we dream about the mission of Jesus and how we get to be a part of fulfilling the mission of Jesus. Uh, we we want to see how, how it can be fulfilled in Kirkwood and the surrounding areas. Re- remember this quote from earlier. This is Ed Stetzer. Again, the church is sent on a mission by Jesus. It's not that the church has a mission, but rather the mission has a church. We join Jesus on his mission at redemption. We daydream about how we can join Jesus on his mission and how you can be a part of the mission that Jesus has given this local church. We dream about ways to share the story of Jesus and his love for others with the people who most need him, the people who are most desperately in need of him, those who are lost and without him. And we need you to see that happen. In the last two weeks, we have needed people who could fill the following roles um, in the mission Jesus has given this church, okay? Musicians and singers, graphic designers and videographers, audio, video, and lighting specialists, teachers and preachers, administrators and organizers, movers and shakers and social media influencers, counselors and coaches, evangelists and disciple makers, learners and leaders, and people that can just genuinely smile and say, welcome. We're glad you're here. Thanks for coming to Redemption. And we need you. You you fit on that list somewhere. God has gifted you uniquely to fulfill a role, a unique role in the church, in his church. And without you, it's not the same. It's not the same. We are, we are, we are walking with a limp without you. And we want to invite you to come to Redemption to be a part of this movement. Remember, The church is not a building that you drive to, but it's a movement of Christ followers that you choose to be a part of. Would you choose to be a part of this church, of this local expression of the church, of this assembly of Christ followers called Redemption Community Church? Would you choose to be a part of this church? If so, I want to invite you to be a part of this church. We have a couple opportunities for you to get plugged in and to get connected, uh, physically connected with this church. Um, in September, we have two worship nights, one on September 12th and the other one on September 26th. They're going to be incredible. We've spent a good majority of this week planning these events. They're going to be great. Don't miss these two nights, September 12th and September 26th. And second, uh, we are reopening October 4th. And so don't miss this. Be there October 4th and every Sunday after that from 5 to 6 p.m. at Destiny Church. Again, for more information on that, go to redemptionstl.com slash reopening. Um, but, But we're not the same without you. I promise you the church limps without you. If you are a Christ follower, God has given you a unique set of skills and gifts that you were made to use in the church. So please, don't let these opportunities pass you by. All right, come be a part of redemption. We can't wait to get to know you and to see what God is going to do with your gifts in this church. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for every single person that's watching this sermon. God, I pray that you would use them uniquely, that you would position them into a unique church. And if that's not redemption, God, I pray they would find the church that fits them. Um, But Lord, if it is redemption, God, I pray that they wouldn't wait, that they wouldn't hesitate, that they would come and they would be a part of this church, that we would get to see uh, you use 
their skills and their gifts in incredible ways. And I pray that we collectively, that we would get to see the landscape of the kingdom of God change because of our selflessness, because of our, our ability to use the gifts that you have given us. God, we love you so much. And uh, I thank you for, for the church. Uh, I thank you that you didn't just make it a building, one that could be torn down and, and torn down and, and destroyed, but instead, God, you made it a movement of Christ followers, uh, a movement that, that is, is going to be fueled by you to carry out your mission and one that can never be stopped. And uh, God, I thank you that we serve a God that is powerful enough to start something in motion, a movement uh, that, that you will never let stop. And so, Father, we love you and uh, we praise you, God. We pray that we would have an incredible week. And, uh, and Lord, I pray that you would keep everyone safe. And it's all these things uh, we pray for in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Redemption, thanks so much for hanging out with us this week. And we will see you on the 12th. Have a great week.